friends, welcome to the Christ Community Church Brawley podcast, where you'll get to hear about your questions being answered, praise reports, what we're learning, and so much more. My name is Sean Arviso, and... I'm Caleb Dubronich. And we get to be your host for today. So, Caleb, it's been quite a while since we had the chance to get together. I know that we had a few technical difficulties, but we are back. Yep, praise God. Yeah, praise God. And if you haven't already done so, we encourage you to like, subscribe, and even share this video with your friends. And so, Caleb, what do we got going on today? So right now we're going to be doing our question of the month. So um, you guys can submit your questions to us via social media. And um, so one of the questions that we have for this month, uh, one of the fun questions, uh, this came from Blaze Cazares, and he said, who would you rather have as your best friend, Judas Iscariot or King Saul? You know, that's a tough one. I just really didn't have an answer. Although it would be cool to be uh, best friends with King Saul, you know, being in royalty, being like David, singing songs to the king until he throws a spear at you and tries to kill you. Yeah. I could do without that part, but that might be fun. Yeah. So for me, I would uh, pick King Saul simply because for me, it's a little bit harder to uh, empathize with Judas because... He just had so much revelation. He had so much light, yes. right? Um, in, in John 1, it says, uh, John says that we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten Son of God, and um, that we, like Judas was a part of that we. Like mm-hmm. Judas beheld the glory of the word becoming flesh. Like mm-hmm. Judas walked with Jesus. He saw all the miracles. He saw, heard all the teachings, and yet he still was able to betray him. And for me, yeah. it's a lot harder to empathize with that because King Saul, on the other hand, though he did have much revelation, he had a lot of light that was given to him, nothing compared to Judas. Literally walked with Jesus, right? So it's a little harder for me to like empathize with that. It's like, uh And he has the infamous title of son of perdition, one of the only two people in Scripture that's mentioned of being the son of perdition, somebody who is destined for God's wrath in hell. So, yeah, that's rough. <laughs> yeah, it is. So um, for the second question, uh, this one's a little more uh, serious. This one came from Annalisa Gustellum, and she said, what helps you focus and retain the information when studying the Bible? You want to go first? Sure. So for me, um, one of the things I do is I will read a book uh, many times over. So for example, I use this example often, First John. It's only five mm-hmm. chapters long, and I'll read it a couple times a day every day for maybe a couple weeks mm-hmm. and just over and over and over. And if I don't understand something, I'll, I'll, I'll look at the words individually and I'll, I'll do a word study on them, just really trying to grasp what mm-hmm. it says. And as you read it over and over and over, not only does it help you retain the information naturally, you'll actually find you're actually memorizing it without mm-hmm. even intentionally yes. memorizing it, but you'll also find that those scriptures begin to come to life. Like as you walk about your day, you begin to see the scriptures unfolding right before your eyes. Yeah. It's very, um, the word of God's alive. Absolutely. Yeah, that repetition is so important, just spending time with God's word. I think of one of my favorite quotes from Charles Spurgeon, you know, visit many good books, but live in the Bible. And so there's a lot of great resources out there, but just always come back to Scripture. And on the topic of memorization, you know, Psalm 119.11 says, Your word, being God's word, I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you, speaking of God. And I remember in high school, this was senior year 2012, and one of my friends named Brett Bird, so shout out to Brett, um, we were really trying to memorize Scripture together, and he had said, I'm going to memorize all of James. And I was like, you mean like a few verses? Or he was like, no, the whole thing. And long story short, it was after school, we sat at the quad area, 
at Central Union High School, and he said, one day, I think I got it. And so we sat down, and I had Bible open. I was like, all right, go for it. And uh, sure enough, every single verse, he had memorized it from beginning to end. And that was just like, oh my gosh, I am so not spiritual compared to you. Uh, Of course, I say that jokingly, but the importance of repetition, to your point, is there. And maybe to go, obviously, deeper than just spending that time in God's Word is, uh, one, focus is a skill that really takes practice like anything else. And in today's society, the ability to focus is really a superpower nowadays, especially with the way social media has trained people to only digest small bits of information in a high quantity, and it makes it really hard for people to focus. So number one, don't beat yourself up about it. Just get started and then keep going. Don't give up. And number two is have a plan and have a schedule and then stick to it. You may be uh, not in the place spiritually that you want to be in your relationship with the Lord. And if you don't do anything different, you're not going to get different results. So I would encourage you, make a plan, make a schedule, and stick to it. And those days that you don't want to roll out of bed and have your morning date with Jesus, do it anyways. Do whatever it takes uh, to get that time. And then number three, to dive a little deeper than that, in regards to your plan, I want to share something with you called Inductive Bible Study Methods, or IBS. And this is a really easy format in your reading and studying of Scripture because all of us are called to read and study Scripture uh, on our own, right? Not just in a Sunday morning or Wednesday night experience or in a small group, but on your own, you should be able to have the Word of God in front of you and let God speak to you from His Word. And one of the ways to do that is called inductive Bible study. And it's basically a three-step format, and I'm just going to share it real quickly and won't go into too much detail about this. But step number one is observation. You ask, what does the text say? And you're just making note of everything that the text says. Maybe you're writing down questions. So obviously this indicates maybe have a pen and pen, uh, pen and paper ready to jot down thoughts. And so you're what, asking the question, what does the text say in observation? Not what does my pastor say it says, or the church, or this commentary, or a YouTuber. You know, just what does it say? And the number two is interpretation. So now you're asking, what does the text mean? And if you've done a good job on the observation, unpacking the history and the word studies and all the details, then that lends into interpretation. What does it mean? What am I called to do or not do? And then the application is step number three. What is God calling me to do right now? And uh, we know that we should not just be hearers of the word, James 1, but we should be doers of the word. So there should always be an application, a, a call to do something, to change us more from ourselves to look more like Jesus. So anyways, the bottom line is don't give up, right? Don't give up. Just keep on going and you're going to get better at it. That's right. All, all Christians are theologians. There's this uh, misconception that, like you were mentioning, only pastors are supposed to be doing like inductive Bible study, or, mm-hmm. or they're the only ones that are called to do that, but mm-hmm. we all are. We are all called to study God, to know His Word, to know Him. And so um, we're all capable of doing it, and we're all called to do it. That's what we are. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um so if you guys have any additional questions, you can feel free to contact us or uh, write into us via social media, and you can post your questions, and we'll try to get to them as as best we're able. Um, but I have one question for you, Sean, sure. that um, we've been thinking about. So for the past maybe week or so, as I'm just driving through the valley, I'll notice that um, it seems like in almost every church, there is a big poster or a, a banner out front that says something to the effect of um, vote no on Prop 1 or Prop 1 and then it has like a big red X or something like that to the effect um, 
what is Prop 1 and why are we as Christians voting against it? So this is not a political statement or issue. This is a biblical issue, and this is a matter of life. And if we can't get the right to life right, then all other rights just don't matter. Uh, they're not nearly as important as getting this one right. So California's Proposition Number 1 is going to be voted upon November 8th, and essentially it is to change the California Constitution on productive right or reproductive rights for women to be able to have an abortion all the way up until the the birth of that child and so even if the child is fully healthy the mother is not in danger the child's not in danger the child can be murdered uh, right there in the hospital um and, and so this is a horrendous bill it is blatantly against god's desires and again, this is not a political issue, it's a biblical issue, and James chapter 4, verse 17 says, to us who know to do good and do not do it, to us it is sin. And so we may not be committing the sin of, of um, <clears throat> commission, meaning we're actively doing something sinful, but we are absolutely committing the sin of omission, meaning we are sinning by not doing the right thing. We are not doing the thing we should, which is to vote no on California's proposition number one. But even above and beyond that, we should be active in uh, in other ways in this fight for life as well. So that's California's proposition number one. I encourage you to even look it up online for yourself, but then definitely go out November 8th and vote and uh, vote no on Prop 1. Yes, and um, if it does get passed, it will make it extremely hard for us to abolish it yeah. one day. Um, and so this is, uh, you know, after Roe v. Wade, the decision was put into the hands of the state. And so right now, more than ever, we need to fight against this mm -hmm. because I believe we're on the threshold of, of beating this thing, of, of uh, abolishing abortion in our country, which is a, a heinous sin. And it's a it's a very sad. And like you said, it's it's not even necessarily a political stance, although um, all political issues are moral issues at the end of the day. And that's really what it is. It's a moral issue. It's a it's an issue of um, what is a human, mm -hmm. right? And we believe that we're human from conception, that God knit us together in our mother's womb, and therefore uh, terminating that life is just that. It's terminating life. And even outside of Scripture, you know, Psalm 139 does say we're knit in our mother's womb, but even embryologists, secular science, all agrees that at point of conception, when sperm meets egg, there is a brand new DNA that is created, and that DNA has all of the informational instructions to create a fully functioning human being. And which means that at point of conception, there is a brand new life that has now been created. And we should handle that with the utmost care. And created in God's image. And created so. in God's image, absolutely. So it's not my body, my choice. That's a different body. But that's a whole other conversation altogether. All right. Well, thank you for explaining that to me. Um, so right now we're going to get into the segment about what are you learning? So would you like to start with sharing what you've been learning lately? Uh, sure. I won't go into too much detail, but um, as of mid-August or so, I just started my Master's of Christian Apologetics degree through Biola University, and it's been a great experience. It's been a while since I've been back in school, uh, formally, so to speak, and been learning a lot, lots of research and writing. And the three courses that I'm currently going through is uh, number one, apologetics research and writing. And so this essentially gets the individual ready for the whole program. Um, and so uh, lots of reading and research in that to kind of prep you for what the program looks like. Number two is called Old Testament Survey. And number three is on the reliability of the Gospels, which 
Uh, fun fact, so the, all the lecture time for that particular course is going to be in a two-day seminar at uh, Biola University with Professor Sean McDowell and Dr. Craig Blomberg. And so I'm really looking forward to that in early November. And so I will let you know how that goes. Nice. Yeah. It's a lot of reading and writing in my season of life right now. Yeah, I'd imagine between uh, sermon prepping and then that as well and uh, Mm -hmm. all that good stuff. Yes. Fun. (laughs) And how about you? What are you learning? So um, the main thing for me is um, recently... I've been diving into C.S. Lewis, uh, mm. specifically uh, his book, uh, Mere Christianity. So, um, f- you know, ever since I became a Christian, of course, I've heard the name C.S. Lewis thrown mm-hmm. around a lot. We love to quote him. And um, I event- finally was like, you know what? I'm going to see what all the hype is about with this yeah. uh, with this man. And um, so I asked you where to start. And you mentioned the book, Mere Christianity, and it's been amazing so far. And so um, that book is, uh, within Mere Christianity, there's four books within it, and so I've read through the first one so far, which is uh, called Right and Wrong as a Clue to the Meaning of the Universe, and so right in the title, as a clue to the meaning of the universe, so right and wrong being morality, mm-hmm. right, so basically C.S. Lewis' the- thesis, so to speak, is that by looking at morality, we can have a clue as mm-hmm. to the meaning of the universe, right, a clue, not... Um, basically that we can't, um, by looking at morality, get all the way to Yahweh, the, mm-hmm. the God of the Christianity, the God of Scripture. But by looking at morality, we can see essentially that there is a God, mm-hmm. right? That essentially to sum up the whole book, um, if there's a law, an objective law, an objective morality, there has to be a lawgiver, mm-hmm. right? And so I'm trying to sum up the whole thing in one yeah. quick phrase, but that's essentially his his point is that if there is a law, right, that governs all people of all time and all places, then there must be a lawgiver. There mm-hmm. must be someone outside of this uh, universe that has given us this law within our hearts. And um, that's basically his argument. And uh, so it's uh, apologetics, but from a philosophical mm-hmm. uh, perspective. And it's great. I really have um, enjoyed it. Yeah, I really encourage you guys, if you've never picked up a C.S. Lewis book, you'll thoroughly enjoy it, and it may be a different style of reading than you're used to, but Mere Christianity is a great place to start, and uh, that would be the moral law argument for the existence of God, and it doesn't lead us to Christianity per se, but it does lead us to theism, and there's dozens and dozens of arguments for the existence of God that we could unpack, and then variations of each of those arguments we could rabbit trail on. But um, yeah, good stuff. And so moving into our praise reports, and so Caleb, what exciting praise reports do you have since the last time we were with our audience? So if I remember correctly, last time we were with our audience, I don't think the youth group had started yet. Correct, yeah. And so that's the main thing is that since our last podcast, um, we've started a youth group here at Christ Community Church Brawley. And praise God. And yes, praise God. It's been going amazing. Yes. It has been rocking and rolling. Like It's just been such a blessing. We've had uh, an abundance of students, and mm-hmm. they've just really seemed to love it and enjoy it, and they're consistent. They're coming every week, and... It's just God is doing amazing things mm-hmm. there. And then, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we got to take a couple of the students, uh, seven of them over mm-hmm. with uh, Christ Community Church El Centro's youth group to a apologetics conference, yeah. which was put on by uh, Right Response Ministries. Stand to Reason. Oh, sorry. Stand to Reason. My bad. Stand to Reason. It's called uh, Rethink Apologetics. And um, it was a blessing. I mean, yeah. even for me, I love apologetics and I was, it's a youth conference, but yeah. I was greatly blessed by it. I learned yeah, it's a, a great ton conference. Of, I learned a ton of new things and the students I took 
also learned a lot and they had a great experience as well. And so, and actually, guys, we're sitting in the youth room right now. And so, we spent a good amount of time getting this whole room renovated. And shout out to Jose Noriego, who did a great job helping to remodel the room. And the room looks fantastic. And students have been coming, many of whom are unchurched. And now they're hearing the word, they're in fellowship, they're praying, you know, they're growing in their relationship with the Lord. So, very, very excited. You might have noticed we're actually in a different area than normal. And this is the youth room. Yeah. The, uh, the backdrop that you're looking at right now is from we are in the youth room right now. Yes. And so, yes, like you said, Jose Noriega did an amazing job. And shout out to Alex Noriega, who did a great job on all the technical side of things, uh, getting all the audio visual stuff going. So, yep. What about you? Any praise <coughs> reports from you? Pastor yeah. Tom? So since last time we were together, you know, there's been a good amount of time since then. And uh, just to quick fire these August 12th, you know, we provided over 200 backpacks with school supplies to J.W. Oakley Elementary, and there was gospel literature in there, and we are just constantly pursuing a great relationship with those in the community because we do want to be salt and light. We do want to be the servants of all. We want to do what Jesus called us to do, to be engaged in the world around us. And um, August 31st, of course, the launch of Rise Youth Group. Praise God for what he's doing in there, and Caleb is a total answer to prayer in uh, for a lot of us, when we were wanting to, you know, see a youth ministry get launched, see teenagers be reached in evangelism, be raised up in discipleship. So uh, we're so thankful for what the Lord's doing in your life. And uh, October 2nd, we had a salsa contest. And uh, October 9th, last Sunday, from the time of this recording, we had uh, Burning Bush International come and do a luncheon. So they do a lot of work in Uganda with water wells. And then October 11th, actually today, as we're recording this, I do want to share this with you guys. I had a wonderful meeting with a local pastor named Eki, and he pastors Western Avenue Baptist Church here in Brawley. And I just want to share this with you, that it was a great conversation. We share the same heart, the same spirit as in both of us, and we are so overjoyed to be brothers in Christ, fighting the good fight, preaching the same gospel, uh, you know, sharing the same word, advancing the same kingdom, and being on the same team. And so I share that uh, with you because it's important for local churches to love one another. It's important for local churches to serve together, work together. Uh, we should never have this territorial mindset because we're on the same team. <laughs> we we fight for the same reasons, you know, we're, we're the same body of Christ and we're preaching the same gospel. So I share this with you also in hopes that you would be a part of the unifying factor of God's people in your own local area. So anyways, that was a wonderful time that uh, Pastor Eki and I got to have together. Yep. Yep. There's no such thing as too many churches in an area. Yeah. I mean, there's 22,000 people in Brawley. They all need Jesus. They all need Jesus, exactly. <laughs> and so we can't fit 22,000 people into all the churches we have here yeah. so far. And so we would love to see more churches get planted. And it's like you said, it's not a territorial thing. We want everyone yes. to come to Christ and to be discipled. And so... And there's many different personalities in the community, many different styles, and so different churches reach different people. And so we're not all called to look the same, do the same things, and so it is beautiful when we can have unity amongst diversity within the essentials of Scripture, of course, you know, within the parameters of God's Word. So anyways, that's just some praise reports from us. 
And so thank you guys so much for joining us today for the Christ Community Church Brawley podcast. We hope you found this insightful, helpful, interesting. And if you have any feedback for us on what you would like to see us do here on the podcast show, we'd love to hear your feedback uh, through any of the social media platforms, or you can email us. But with that being said, what should our audience do at this time, Mr. Caleb? Uh, Please subscribe to the channel, share this with your friends, and smash that like button. Amen. All right, we'll see you in the next one.